five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. on the internet all right little romeo void there <clears throat> i might like you better if we slept together you know deborah Iall, who's the singer let me take these off uh deborah Iall, who's the singer in the band when was that they came out with that around 19 19- I so I used to see Romeo Void all the time in San Francisco. They were a local band. We see them at small clubs, and then they kind of became bigger. Um, they opened for U two on U 2s first American tour. I saw that show; it was incredible. Romeo Void was great. I mean, they kind of went toe to toe with U two that night, which is, I mean, back in the day, U two was something. They were something. They were, you know, Bono was. Uh, Bono was beatific. They they had they had something very mystical about them on that first record. It's incredible, and the performances were um, as equally as uh, astonishing as that first record. I told the story before. I remember one time I, I was getting tickets for that show, and we used to have to go to like Bass or Ticketmaster, whatever the fuck they were, and. Um, I'm in line and there are these, these dudes in front of me and there was somebody in front of them. And, uh, you know, they were bros. So they, I think they were getting tickets to go to see uh, Day in the Green or something like that. They looked at me and said, hey, man, what, are you, what, are you, what, what tickets are you buying? What tickets are you, uh, what concert are you getting tickets for? I said, uh, you too. And they're like, ah, they started laughing at the name U2. What the fuck is that, U2? And I said, you'll hear about them. <laughs> you'll get there. Don't worry. Don't worry. So I got my tickets to that show, which was cool. That was a good show. Great show. But Deborah Isle, getting back to Romeo Void. Uh, so that was around 80. God, I must, I, I remember 415 Records put out their first record, the local record label. And then um, Howie Klein, who was the head of 415 Records, wound up getting a development deal with, um, with Warner Brothers. I think he was in charge of the Slash label, but he was he was signing bands of Warner Brothers, and then I think he uh, he signed Romeo Void, 
so they had a, a bigger national release. So I used to see them around in 1981, 82 in the Bay area. And, um, Deborah, I, who's the singer is part, she's part native American. And she was going to, uh, this arts college in Oakland, very liberal arts college in Oakland. I don't know about the rest of the band. Um, the only guy whose name I remember in the band now is the sax player, Ben Bossy. And how cool is that? A sax player with a cigarette in his mouth. Like maybe you would see Dexter Gordon do shit like that. Right. And he does these like crazy avant-garde, almost like sax runs in the middle of the song. And he was always in a song. They always found a place for his saxophone, which was really cool. But she was way ahead of her time. If you took Deborah Isle, this is Deborah, if you took her from 1981 through 1984 and moved her into right now, she'd be a fucking star. I mean, think about it. She's a BIPOC. She's, um, you know, what do they call a, um, it's not a BBW. I guess it is a BBW, right? So if you're a big, black, beautiful woman, you'd be a BBBW, but she's a big, beautiful woman. So she's a BBW. So she's a BBW. She's a BIPOC. Might be, you know, TRIPOC. And then in the video, she shoots the guy. I mean, how how is she not? Even now, how is she not a cultural icon? I, I'm I'm confused by this because they're always looking for cultural icons, and she's a cultural icon. She fits the bill right now. So, little Romeo, I was trying to figure out what I was going to play today. The other option was Public Image Limited, Rise, which is probably a better song for today's show, and I may play it by the end of the show. It could be a good song to go out on because it's actually a pretty positive song. Johnny Lydon, formerly Johnny Rotten, an Aquarian, always likes to uh, stir shit up. I heard somewhere that he's also a Freemason. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Would not surprise me. He's always entertaining. That's for damn sure. I've been watching some of his uh, videos, interviews from the early 80s. 81, 82, when Public Image Limited was just hitting the uh, airwaves. And so he'd have to go out and do interviews to support the music. He hated it. And he would abuse most of the interviewers that um, he came across. Although he did like J.J. Jackson from uh, MTV. J.J. Jackson actually did really well with him. I was surprised. JJ was hip. You know, I watched MTV back in the day. I mean, way back in the day, like when it first fucking came on, we were a Nielsen family. I made sure that I had a lot of, uh, I've been a Nielsen family twice, not once, but twice. I've, I've been a Nielsen family once for an extended period of time in Austin. I was getting, I was getting Nielsen money every month. It was pretty cool. Actually. I didn't mind it. Right. So anyway, um, I used to watch MTV back in the day and 
everybody had their favorite VJs. JJ was one of my favorite VJs. I liked him a lot. I thought he was cool. I thought he was a cool guy. He understood rock and roll. Certain VJs, I wasn't like Mark Goodman in the hair. I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with Mark Goodman in the hair. Um, Mina Blackwell, who was still around, she was all right. And then you had Martha, what's her name? And then Alan, what's his name? <laughs> I forget. I, I, if I had time, I, I could probably resurrect their last names. But uh, JJ was the cool guy. All right. Welcome to the show. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, welcome to the podcast version of the show. I actually managed to get the last three days worth of podcasts up. And it took me uh, a little while. I was, So I've been trying to re-edit some videos. And it takes that part. The re-editing part doesn't really take that much time. It's the encoding part. And it's just, yeah. Anyway, so that's been taking up time on this end. So I have not been able to get the uh, podcast. But today, once today's show is over, it'll go right up there so you can listen to it. And uh, we're, we're up to date and au courant with the podcast. Went to uh, Kerrville yesterday, signed the contract for the weekend of the 13th, uh, which is great. And um, you know, signed off on the menu for that weekend. So we're locked in, boys and girls. And uh, Sunday night, I will uh, have the early sign-up. You'll be incentivized to sign up early. And uh, that'll be on both websites, 15 minutes of flame and robertphoenix.com. And looking forward to seeing everybody again who can attend and hopefully a bunch of new faces as well, since we're going to have uh, Mr. David Palmer, the Leo King, doing his thing. I'm also trying to get another guest. I can't talk about it right now. It's one of those things. But if I can get this guest, it'll be cool. I'm not sure it'll move the needle to bring a bunch of people, but you'll like this guest. And what I have as an idea for this guest that they can do there, I think will be uh, quite memorable to say the least. Speaking of events, uh, this weekend is shaping up quite nicely. I think we're about up to about 15 people for the meetup. And of course, it's going to be mostly a uh, Texas folk in the surrounding area. And you know, if you're, if you uh, want to still come, you're welcome to come. Um, but you better, you better get on the train now. Cause I may have to buy more food if, uh, if more people are coming. So really looking forward to that meeting some new people, which will be really cool. Uh, people that I haven't, um, haven't met before. And um, that's going to be, that's always, you know, a cool thing, interesting thing. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, Jasper, I'm not sure he's looking forward to it. Do you want to come on the show? Well, come on over here. Come on. Oh, he's a pain in the ass. He's, a, he's, he's become like one of those 
characters and grumpy old men. That's what's happened. He's like a ship without a rudder right now. Okay. Let me, uh, here, let's do a little business. Let's do a little business. I'm not like you better if we slept together. I saw them open for this band called Pylon from, I think they were from Athens, Georgia. Pylon was pretty good. They're pretty, they're pretty darn good. And, and another, now the singer from Pylon was definitely a BBBW. So there was a lot of uh, shake, rattle, and rolling going on that night at the old Waldorf. It's a good night, though. A band that uh, did not get its due. Let's talk a little CBD. Right there. I had my gummy last night. I actually slept through the night once again, which is great. And uh, you can get sleep gummies and... There are a number of other varieties of CBD that you can get in a tincture bottle um, through my friend Chris at uh, True Hemp Science. And he's got a whole number scale, right? Like 33, 32, and they all do different things. They're all, and this is why it's important to understand what the CBD is and what it does, because it has different effects. And one of the things that, Chris was uh, talking about when we went to go see him on Saturday is if you have a continued use of CBD and I forget which number it was, but it can actually reset you. So that's a daily use and not like tremendous. Like you're not going to drink half a bottle or something. You just want enough for it to be kind of on the verge of homeopathic, right? You're going to feel something, but over the long term, it's going to reset certain systems in your body. And Chris is almost, you know, he's always welcome to have conversations with people and he does. So if you want to learn more, you can just pick up the phone and call him and he'll talk to you. How many other places we, would you be able to talk to the owner of a business and then get the lowdown on the product and how it works? Not too many. So if you spend hundred dollars or more, you'll get $20 worth of free product. All you got to go is all you got to do you go to triumphscience.com backslash ref backslash 23 and 15 mins one five M I N S capital. That's your code to get in and get your goodies. Uh, if you want to come to the meetup, we got a link right there and uh, it's $27, 22 of those go to the processing fees for the actual transaction and the rest goes to the food. We have plenty of food. I've got the brisket thawing now. We've got sausages. We're gonna barbecue chicken. We got tons of potato salad. We got coleslaw. We got chips. We got dip. We got pickles. We got peppers. We got bread if you need bread, gluten and gluten free. We got watermelon. We've got peach cobbler. We got a berry cobbler. We got it all. And if we and if we uh, start to run a little bit low on the food and hopefully we shouldn't because we have plenty of it. I got, I got uh, grass fed burgers. I can throw in the grill and slap some cheese on there. And uh, we got, we got, uh, we got burgers here too. If you want them, it's going to be great. So um, 
if you're in the Texas area, or even if you're not in the Texas area, there you go, right there, there's the link. And I do uh, suggest you get your room for the Harvest Moon event. Go ahead and lock that in. If you decide not to go, you're not going to get charged for your room. There's no harm, no foul. And next year, we're looking ahead to next year already. 2023, there is an annular eclipse that goes right over Kerrville on the weekend of our event. So I actually have already reserved the hotel for that weekend. It's a big deal. They got people coming from all over the country. Now, this is not the big 2024 eclipse. The 2024 eclipse will happen in the same place, which is crazy, right? So this is a prelude to the 2024 eclipse. So that's going to happen. And apparently uh, it's people, it's like reservations are off the hook for this eclipse in this town in Texas. And that's the weekend that we're going to be having our event next year. How about that? So you have something to look forward to. You always have something to look forward to, but next year, We'll get right in there on the uh, Stonehenge of the Hill Country. We'll have our glasses on and uh, we will become one with the black hole sun. All right, let's get into chat. Let's see what's up with chat. Who's in today? There's my man, DJ MC. What's going on, Michael? Good to see you. There's Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Wendy says, the beautiful one. Tomas Jordan, checking in. What's going on? TJ Kelly B is here. Uh, let's see who else we have. Hucklebuck 411. What's going on? Double K, Catherine Kramer, Miss Nakia, Beth B. Where's my girl Sony? Is she here today? Let's see. What song has Robert found for us this morning? Uh, Romeo Void. Sunset girls must be discreet. You got that right, right? That's the Sunset District. What's going on, Michael Pafford, 69TM? Checking in. Taze. Uh, the world the world's had enough, Robert asked. Nope, not it's getting there. It's getting there. We're getting close. We're getting close, right? It's like the water line is like right here. It's like right there. It's like people are starting to snort the water. That's how close it is. It's Thursday. It is Thursday. Frank Bry, what's going on, Frank? That video brings back my band opened for them in the 80s. Tundar. What's happening? <clears throat> Let's see. Bet it's a cute, smelly baby. Could have been a cultural icon, but didn't take the Satanist ticket. Just born too early. She peaked early. KNS is in. What's going on? Good to see you. Maurice 100 is like haircut 100. Can I be an indigenous white person? Yes, you can. Robert Palmer. That's right. Robert Palmer or David, David Phoenix. White is definitely a color. 
Jasper does need a companion. I agree with you 100%. 100%. Uh, Jasper, like a girl cat friend. I agree. He's missing. He's missing that uh, the devotion. He had all that devotion. Yes, we have chicken. We have brisket. We have it all. Uh, Sandra coming in. Yes, looking forward to coming to Texas for the first time. Harvest Moon Fest, beautiful, Sandra. Looking forward to seeing you. JMP Love in the house. Charlie, hey, folks, my arthritis is brutal. Does CBD really work? I think if you get the right CBD, you should call Chris. Call Chris, True Science. You can find him online. Give him a call. He'll talk you through your uh, your challenges. Gas will be twelve fifty a gallon. I guess you'll all just have to move here. I think that's uh, probably the plan. Yes, missing Sony, CC, and JJ. I know, right? Where are they? I haven't seen JJ in a while. She's busy. She's in New York City. She's doing the New York thing now. She's hustling. She's hustling. She's got her hustle going on. I miss Fran too. Where is she? Where did she go? Uh, let's see. All right. What do you guys want to talk about? I know what I want to talk about. First of all, let's stop here. Let's get into this guy right here. Stuart, remember I said Stuart, uh, Stuart Rhodes needs to be put on the hot seat. So here we go. Founder of Oath Keepers charged with seditious conspiracy. Now, this is going to get interesting because I think Stuart Rhodes is a plant. Everything that I've read about Stuart Rhodes reeks of plant. This is the first time the Justice Department has brought a seditious conspiracy charge in connection with the attack on the Capitol. Stuart Rhodes, the founder and leader of the far-right Oath Keepers militia group, has been arrested and charged with seditious conspiracy in the attack on the U.S. Capitol, authorities said Thursday. Ten other people also were charged with seditious conspiracy in connection with the attack on Jan 6, 2021, when authorities said members of the extremist group came to Washington intent on stopping the certification of President Joe Biden's victory. These are the first charges of seditious conspiracy that the Justice Department has brought in connection with the attack led by supporters of former President Donald Trump. Rhodes, 56, of Granbury, Texas, and Edward Vallejo, 63, of Phoenix, Arizona, were arrested on Thursday. The others who were charged were already facing criminal charges related to the attack. They include four Florida men, Joseph Hackett of Sarasota, David Marshall of Punta Gorda, Kenneth Harrelson of Titusville, and Kelly Meggs of Vanellen. Uh, Rhodes is the highest ranking member of an extremist group to be arrested in the deadly siege. So this is kind of like their crystal knock, right? This is what this is what they're turning this into. Now, I think Rhodes has deep ties to uh, the FBI and Intel groups. And I think he was placed in there to help foment this fake insurgency. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. You know, are they, are, is this an extraction? Are they pulling him off the street? I don't know what's going on with Stuart Rhodes, but this has moved to another level now. The arrest of Rhodes and others is a serious escalation of the accusations against the thousands of rioters who stormed the Capitol and the charges answer in part 
a growing chorus of Republicans publicly questioned the seriousness of the January 6th insurrection, arguing that no one had been charged yet with sedition or treason. It could not have been so violent. So now they're they're escalating. They're saying, okay, we're going to uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're gonna charge people. Rhodes did not enter the Capitol building on January 6th, but is accused of helping put into motion the violence that disrupted the certification of the vote. Yield Keeper's case is the largest conspiracy case federal authorities have brought so far over Jan 6 when rioters stormed past. But they let them in. Come on. There was like two events happening simultaneously, right? This is what they always do. They have the one event where it's like, let's open the doors. Hey, come on in. Would you like a tour? Just don't mess anything up. You're fine, right? There's that. And then there's the, the brawl that's being started outside of the Capitol building. You know, there's that, uh, that little twerp uh, who was there with his video camera. You know who I'm talking about? God, what's his name? The guy who was the skater, the Olympic skater. He's from Utah. It's John. He's got a brother. You know that guy, right? Nobody's, nobody's uh, arrested him. The indictment against Rhodes and Oath Keepers formed two teams or stacks that entered the Capitol. The first stack split up inside the building to, to separately go after the House and Senate. The second stack confronted officers inside the Capitol rotunda. The indictment said outside Washington. Uh, the indictment alleges the Oath Keepers had stationed two quick reaction forces that had guns in support of their plot. Stop the lawful transfer of power. Jonathan Mosley, an attorney representing Rhodes, said his client was arrested Thursday in Texas. He's been subject to a lot of suspicion to why he wasn't indicted so so far in the, in the Jan 6 riot. Mosley said, I don't know if this is in response to those discussions, but we do think it's unfortunate. It's an unusual situation. Yeah, it's unusual for a fucking informant to be arrested. Mosley said Rhodes was supposed to testify before the House committee investigating the Jan 6 insurrection. In a deposition, but he got called off. He was talking to Rhodes on the phone about the committee when Rhodes was contacted by the FBI. Rhodes has said in interviews with right-wing hosts, there was no plan to storm the Capitol and that members who did went did so went rogue, but he continued to push the lie that the 2020 election was stolen. It's not a lie. I'm sorry. And I don't care if it gets me in trouble. Let's keep going down a little bit here. Rhodes, a former U.S. paratrooper and Yale Law School graduate, who founded the Oath Keepers in 2009, has appeared in court documents in the conspiracy case for weeks as person one. Authorities said Rhodes held a go-to meeting call days after the election. Telling his followers to go to Washington and let Trump know that the people are behind him. Rhodes told members they should be prepared to fight Antifa and some Oath Keepers should stay on the outside and be prepared to go in armed if necessary. Like all that stuff came out with the uh, the, the in-depth um, piece that was done on roads and Yoke Keepers on the website Revolver, which we went into almost, I wouldn't say line by line, but paragraph by paragraph, very long piece. And it shows that not only was Rhodes inciting people, but he has a history of it. And he has a history of being uh, seen as a plant, right? Or they're called glowies. And this goes all the way back to what happened with the, the Bundys in Nevada. Uh, and he was responsible for a number of people there also getting arrested. So this is an interesting turn of events. Are they going to turn 
on one of their own? Is Stuart Rhodes being extracted? Is this all part of a deal? I don't know. There's, there's lots of layers to this thing, but they're trying to escalate it because every time they es- every time they try to escalate it, it falls flat on their face. This Cassidy Hutchison or whatever her name is, she was a joke, total joke. She was discredited within 24 hours. They already had her testimony, which they admitted some of, by the way. It's a total joke, hearsay. None of it matters. It's all about trying, you know, the, the, it's, it's, this is not an indictment of Donald Trump. This is not an indictment of Donald Trump. This is an indictment on the American people. The American people are on trial. That's what's happening here because Donald Trump is a symbol of the American people to them, right? A symbol of white privilege, hate, misogyny, uh, misanthropy, all that stuff, racism. That's what they're doing. That's what's going on here. It's not Trump they're going after. It's the American people. So I ran across this uh, really interesting interview. And this gets right into the wheelhouse here. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Donald Trump is the organizing principle of the left. He is the organizing principle of the left. What do I mean by that? If they didn't have Donald Trump, uh, what would their life be like? They wouldn't have a life. Donald Trump is their leader, and they don't even know it. He's their leader, and they don't even know it. See if I can find this video. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Now, this is um, entirely politically incorrect. So I'm going to play a video here, and it's with Charles Manson. And he's talking about World War II. Um, He's talking about the Germans. He's talking about the Holocaust. He's talking about Jews. But he could easily be talking about Trump. So this is why I'm playing this. Because for all his fucking crazy, Charlie Manson nails it. The other thing about Manson that's weird, and I've seen this, is that there have been allusions to George Bush. that Charles Manson is actually George Bush. Like when you put their their two faces together, they look like you. The only problem is that Charles Manson was really short. Like I think he was around 5'3", 5'4", and George Bush is closer to six feet. But when you listen to Charlie Manson, he sounds like George Bush, which is weird. So then it, it gets into this whole thing around like, 
propagation, um, strange births, strange connections. Like, could Charlie Manson have been a byproduct of some kind of biological seeding that theoretically that the elites do? We know they do it. Bill Clinton is an example of it. He's a, he's a Rockefeller. And I've, I've talked about this before. If you haven't seen the movie, The Devil's Advocate, I highly recommend it. That's one of those movies where they show and tell you a lot. They being the people behind the script, the people that are writing the script, they're telling you. It's flat out right out there. And Keanu Reeves' character is a cipher of Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. He does know who his father is. Theoretically, Bill Clinton doesn't know, but he does know. And his father is, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but his father is a theoretical elite. So Clinton, the, the rumor, and it's you talking about in Arkansas, we'll back this up. His father is Winthrop Rockefeller. And that's what these elites do. They go around and they drop their seed into women. And then they know who they are. And they go back and they find out what's going on. What's going on with my youngin? Just checking in on the little one. And uh, in the movie, I will tell you that his character does the same thing that Hillary Clinton did in real life, which is get a child molester off. So that's a cipher. And that character is a cipher of the Clintons. There's more to that movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's a great movie. It's not easy to watch in certain places. But when you look at and listen to Charlie Manson, you tell me if if he's not somebody that reminds you of George Bush. All right. That's enough preamble. Let's get into it. Now, remember, I am playing this for a specific reason. When he talks about Hitler and the left, I want you to think about Trump. All right, here we go. You can't say, you can't say, well, the Jews are the children, chosen children of God, and these Germans are no good because their forefathers uh, uh, fought. No, 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 no. The, the Germans are no worse than the Jews, and the blacks are no worse than the Mexicans, and the Mexicans are no worse than the Filipinos, and the Filipinos are no worse than the Chinese. So how do you reach a one with that whole circle? How do you reach a one with that whole circle? How do you have peace on this earth? You can't have peace on this earth unless you let Second World War die. You want to keep the Second World War going? You want to keep selling and buying Germans and dead Indians on TV every day? You know, that's got to stop. The Second World War's got to stop. And it's got to stop in the Jews. The Jews won't let the Second World War stop. They keep the Second World War going. They keep it going. They keep it going. They keep perpetuating it because they're making money. As soon as the Second World War was over, they never stopped the brainwash. The brainwash that they were selling the American public was making money. You see what I'm saying? They were making money. They're not going to stop making money. If the combination's there to make money, they're going to keep selling it. They'll sell it all the way till I'm in the cell with a guy named Millman, Jerry Millman. Okay, so there's another part of that. Um, let me see if I can find it. Because Jerry Millman according to uh, Manson, well, he's Jewish. Let me see if I can find it here. 
And he talks about being in the cell with them. All right, let me see if I can find that again. So here we go. This is this is uh, George Bush and Charlie Manson. All right, this, the, all right, let me play the long player. Let's play it again. This is the long player. And this is where the whole Trump thing comes into play here. So you're telling me all these people think that you hate the blacks and you hate the Jews and you kill people and all you're really trying to do is stop pollution. All the time's been the same thing. Whatever people put on me is what they're trying to play themselves. Doesn't this sound like Bush? Tell me once again, I didn't quite get it, why the American Nazi Party signed on your forehead. When those eight people were killed in Uganda, when, that's, when that plane was skyjacked, and Idi Amin was put in, in the position to rule Africa, uh, I was in that episode. And that's the only way I could save my head. Because there was a lot of, a lot of violence, a lot of fear, a lot of bloodshed was going on in those days and times for to stop the drought that was coming over there. We seen the world. Don't you remember when the Lord knows when the cold wind blows it'll turn your head around? Well, we were all in that thought, trying to change the world, you know. And you can't say, you can't say, well, the Jews are the children, chosen children of God, and these Germans are no good because their forefathers uh, uh, fought. That. No, 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 no. The, the Germans are no worse than the Jews. And the blacks are no worse than the Mexicans. And the Mexicans are no worse than the Filipinos. And the Filipinos are no worse than the Chinese. So how do you reach a one with that whole circle? How do you reach a one with that whole circle? How do you have peace on this earth? You can't have peace on this earth unless you let Second World War die. You want to keep the Second World War going? You want to keep selling and buying Germans and dead Indians on TV every day? You know, that's got to stop. The Second World War's got to stop. And it's got to stop in the Jews. The Jews won't let the Second World War stop. They keep the Second World War going. They keep it going. They keep it going. They keep perpetuating it because they're making money. As soon as the Second World War was over, they never stopped the brainwash. The brainwash that they were selling the American public was making money. You see what I'm saying? They were making money. They're not going to stop making money. If the combination's there to make money, they're going to keep selling it. They'll sell it all the way till I'm in the cell with a guy named Millman, Jerry Millman. And he's got pictures of Hitler and Japanese and things all that. I said, boy, Hitler must have been a hell of a guy. He said, Hitler was terrible. I hate him. I hate him. I said, why do you hate him? He said, I'm a Jew. I said, well, why do you enshrine this guy? Is he your daddy? And he looked up to his mother's fear. And his mother's fear was Hitler. <laughs> Hitler was like his father figure. He loved Hitler, but he hated Hitler. He needed Hitler to hold him up. Because Hitler was holding his hate up. Because without his hate, he didn't exist. He didn't have no reason to live unless he had some hate. He didn't have any reason to buy and sell unless the money held him up. If you took the money away from him, you took the hate away from him, he'd be gone. So how do you, how do you, how do you communicate to a whole group of people? You stand up and you take the worst fear symbol there is and say, there, now I've got your fear. Now I've got your fear. And your fear is your power and your power is your control. I'm your king of this whole planet. I'm going to rule this whole world. How about that? You know, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, Ted Kaczynski and how, you know, Kaczynski is a crazy motherfucker, right? But when he writes his manifesto, it's pretty lucid. And there are bullet points in his manifesto. It's like, you know, yep, mm, yep, mm, happened, yep, 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 right? So Manson or whoever Manson is, is a crazy motherfucker.
And yet, in that three minutes, he elucidates something that is so clear. And it's clear how much the left and the progressives and the Democrats and the Marxists and all these people, how much they need Trump, how much they need him. Remember I said that he was the father figure, right? The father figure they hate. That's exactly who Trump is. From day one, it was the father figure they hated. Whatever kind of disappointment they experienced with their father, it became Trump. What would their lives be like without Trump? They would have no purpose, no raison d'etre, no purpose of being whatsoever. None. And they keep perpetuating this, right? This is the new world war. January 6th is a new world war. Um, November 9th, 2016, the new world war. Trump's the new Hitler. And they're making money. They clearly made a shit ton of money with CNN. And they're trying to do it again with the whole chance. But nobody's watching. They made a bunch of money. Jeff Zucker left. He he knows that they're going down. Their their views are terrible. There are people on YouTube that get Tim Pool gets more viewers than most CNN programming. Wrap your head around that. He gets more views than most CNN programming. And Tim Pool is eh, he's meh, right? Every now and then he has some good guests. He talks over them. Makes them the, uh, makes himself the, you know, the focus of the show. But this is what I was talking about with Trump. And Manson nails it, right? He's got his buddy in his cell. He's got pictures of Trump and not Trump, but Hitler and the Japanese. And he's got a shrine to this thing. And he hates them. But if you took that away from that person, they would have no reason for being. Hate fuels anger. And anger is a very, anger is like a really hot pepper because it gets your senses engaged, right? When people are angry, they have more acuity. They run a lot of adrenaline. They have more acuity. I've talked about this before. And people get addicted to the adrenaline. They get addicted to the anger. And um, I saw I saw an example of this one time on Dr. Phil, which I've talked about. And there's this woman who was on there. She was angry all the time. One of, one of Dr. Phil's guests, you know, she was typical, you know, slightly overweight white woman, but she was angry all the time. He was trying to, you know, figure out why she was angry all the time. It's clear why she was angry all the time. You get a buzz off of it. And anger helps delineate self. That's what it does. Puts up barriers. Anger helps delineate self. If you have no anger, there's no boundaries between you and the world. You're happy. You're content. You know, you're trusting theoretically, right? So anger is a anger's a drug. And what fuels anger? Hate. Hate is the fuel for anger. It's not even righteous anger. They may think it's righteous anger, but it's not. So 
anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was really interesting. And it goes back to January 6th. It goes back to Trump. And it goes back to an indictment on the American people. In a, in a, in a weird way, okay? In a weird way, January 6th is the crystal knock for this country. It's really not, but it kind of is. And so what's interesting is that the so-called, you know, white Anglo Saxon Protestant Christian or conservative people, you don't have to be white to fit into that category, by the way. They're both the Nazis and the Jews in that experience, right? Because they're the ones that theoretically are perpetrating this, but they're really not. And they're also the victims, and they're going to use this event to try to enact more fascistic top-down control. So January 6th was the crystal knock, again, theoretically. And then the same group winds up both being the perpetrator and the perpetrated. So if they somehow are able to remove Trump, then there's a whole other group that can serve as a lifetime of, of hate. Right. And, and it's, a, it's a fascinating kind of dark alchemy because they can transfer the animus from one person to millions of people. And then every person, it's already happening. Every person now is like a clone of Trump. Every so-called white person is like a clone of Trump. And so they have millions of Donald Trump's out there. A production line, an assembly line of them. And it's insidious because it could be anybody. This is the biggest like level of mind fuckery I've ever seen. It's huge. And the programming is insidious. Absolutely insidious. All right, let's get into the Dutch thing. So I wanted to talk about that. Oh, there's Draymond Green. God, he bugs me. I want to like Draymond Green. I really want to like Draymond Green. But I, but I, I have a hard time liking Dre. You know, he he's not original. He doesn't say anything very original. Okay, um, let's get into the Dutch thing. Let's do that. You can always come out here, join the party. Oh, did you see the hologram of Zelensky? Let me see if I can. Um, I'll get that later. I'll get that later. Let me find some of this Dutch stuff. You know, you know, Gonzalo Lira reminds me of. Gonzalo Lira reminds me of Tokyo Rose. I'm not a fan. He's a smart guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just not a fan. Okay, where's the search here? Let me find this. Uh, 
over here. Yeah, if you have time, <laughs> look up the comparisons between uh, Charlie Manson and George Bush. You will be tripped out. Okay, here we go. Um, the Dutch farmers have had enough of the shit. And they are, and they are giving the shit right back to the uh, so-called elites, the people that want to uh, interfere with their production. Give me a second here. Let me uh, get this thing going here. All right, here we go. Kind of makes me a little proud of my heritage. Moral of the story is you don't fuck with farmers who have state-of-the-art fertilizing equipment because they could do some very uh, nasty things with it. Here we go. Liquid shit. <laughs> So the context for this, which I'll show you here, is that um, the farmers protest uh, in retaliation of the proposed government nitrogen emission cuts. The farmers give Lockham Town Hall a healthy dose of their own horse shit. So that's a town hall. I guess that's in um, Lockham, Netherlands. And so they had a bunch of, of these guys detained by the police in the Netherlands. Well, then they took that into their own hands again. So let me show you what they did when it came to uh, springing their own. Okay, so here we go. We're back on Twitter again. And away we go. Check this out. 
They're not going to let the cops out. They're blocking the cops' exit. This guy, he's getting right up there. He's like, and these cops, are, you know, that they're related somewhere in there to the farmers. So eventually, what's what this leads to is uh, the release of farmers that they've detained. They're like, okay. There's not much we can do about it. We may as well let him go. I love the horseshit thing. Um, so basically what they're doing, this is a, a WEF move. You know, they want to shut down production. They want to shut down agriculture. And these farmers are like, you know, fuck you. This is how we make our living. Now, they may say, we're going to pay you to not grow food. They're like, oh, gee, you know, maybe we should do that. At least we'll get paid for it. Because that's what they always do. We'll compensate you to not grow food. And I'm not sure they're going to do that. And the, the reason why is that the Dutch are really stubborn people. They're very stubborn people. I remember when my father was alive, he used to lament about how stubborn the Dutch were. <laughs> because on my mother's side, she's like, she's like two, really like two distinct strains, right? Dutch and Irish. Is it Dutch and Irish on her mother's side, Irish father's side, Dutch. They settled uh, in Long Island in the 1600s. Apparently I've gone back and looked at the records. Pretty famous name um, in the uh, annals of East coast history. Van Nostrand, which means from the North strand. And I can actually go back and so one thing I can find through my genealogy is how the first Van Ostrand, and there were a lot of them, like it was just like people from a place, right? But the one that we can trace with our family lands in Long Island and becomes kind of a big deal in Long Island and that his sons fight in the Revolutionary War. So they were... So my mother is a, she's a D-A-R, even though she's never pursued that. But they're stubborn, right? They're stubborn. So I, I, I think it'd be kind of hard for them to be bribed. That's my sense. It would be hard for them to be bribed. They'll just grow their food. Fuck you. And the thing with the Dutch, this is where it gets strange and interesting, is that as a society, they're homogeneous unless they've, you know, shipped people in from other places where they're 
experience some kind of global crisis. And they must bring them to a new place for a fresh start. Um, they're a pretty homogeneous society. And, you know, what, wiping out the farming industry in Holland will have a ripple effect. I guarantee you those guys that were standing there by the door, they know people that are farmers. Like, how are they going to enforce this? So this is when you have shit like NATO and the UN, like they want to have a standing planetary army that has no allegiance to any country. So let's say, for instance, um, the Dutch, yeah, fuck you, we're not going to grow anything. And the police are going, you know, we're not going to enforce this. So then what will they do? We'll bring in NATO. We'll bring in NATO troops. They want NATO to be the planetary army. They want one army, one police force for the entire planet. That's the plan. And they're there to enforce the law and rule of order that comes down from the top. And the top is going to have a whole set of things to, to live by. And I use the word live in a very loose sense here because it's not really about living. So I think it's really interesting. I think it's, I think it's, a, it's an interesting little uh, twist. Now, we know that Ursula von der Leyen, and that's not her last name. That's her husband's last name. And her husband comes from a very wealthy Dutch family. Um, they made their money in the silk trade. So they've had a lot of, uh, what, what are the Dutch trade in? What, what's their, the gilder? They've had a lot of gilders for a long time. But she is, Ursula von der Leyen is the head of the EU with a very powerful Dutch husband. So that'll be interesting to watch. And Ursula von der Leyen, she's like one of these turtles on the fence post that, that uh, uh, Russ Winter has talked about. Like, how did that turtle get there? Who put them there, right? She's a total turtle on the fence post. I mean, this is a person who has no qualifications for a fucking job. None, except for the fact she comes from a really wealthy family that owned a lot of slaves at one point here in the United States, and that her husband comes from a very wealthy Dutch family that kind of ruled the silk trade in Europe. Those are her qualifications. When her husband was teaching at Stanford, she was a housewife. Not to say that housewives can't be important people or, you know, contribute to their family and their society, you know. But these are the people who get promoted and they're just handed scripts. That's all. They're just handed scripts. It's like Karen, Karen Jean-Pierre, Karine Jean-Pierre. She's just handed a script. Here you go. She can't even talk to people. She's got to look down at her script, tell people what the administration is doing. Saki was very good at it. Saki knew the talking points ahead of time. She was a lying, sacky shit, but she was good at her job. She was very good at her job. I didn't like her, but they were they, that administration, lucky to have her because she could take a bunch of flack and she knew how to talk around. Are you coming here now? Well, get over here. Come on. You know, it's about time. The Astro Cat is here. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's about time you got here. I hung out with your buddy this morning outside. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Turtle in the fence post. Anybody, look, this is what's happening now. I was having a, a conversation with Masaki. <clears throat> we were talking about uh, like Jerome Powell. Now, who knows? Maybe Jerome Powell's got a big background in finance and economics. And you know, this is the guy that runs the Federal Reserve. Anybody could have that job right now because they're just going to give them talking points. It doesn't matter who's doing that job. Whatever BlackRock is telling them to do, that's what they'll do. Here's the script, right? Ursula von der Leyen, here's the script. Now, with Trump, I don't know if there was a script. He went off script a lot. Didn't he, Jasper? He sure did. Um, have you guys seen this story? I, did, I didn't talk about it. I think I mentioned it once, and I might have mentioned it either Monday or early last week. Might have been, might have been Monday, where they found like over 40 uh, dead bodies uh, in a truck in San Antonio. Have you guys seen this story? So some of these people were alive. I mean, this is like the fucking killing fields. That's what this is. This is like the killing fields um, in, a, in a tractor trailer. There were over 50 people in this tractor trailer, abandoned, locked up. They were being trafficked. And I think 46 of them died. And, and I think four or five kids lived and maybe a couple adults. And they've been dead for a while. You know why? Because they put meat seasoning on these people. And not because they wanted to uh, fire up the Barbie. They put meat seasoning on them to hold the smell down. And nobody's talking about this. Somebody needs to talk to Joe Biden, Kareem Jean-Pierre, right? Nobody's talking about this. Abbott is, but Abbott, it's, Ab, Abbott is just as much to blame as Biden. Abbott is, as they say, um, all hat and no cattle. Right, Jasper? Yes. Jasper, you're all hat and no cattle, and that's okay. We don't expect anything more from you than that. Um, and I'll tell you who else isn't really talking about it. Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich, the great Greg Popovich, the coach of the San Antonio Spurs, who never misses an opportunity to virtue signal, never misses an opportunity to virtue signal, never misses an opportunity to take up the SJW cause and make other white people feel bad about being white. Have we heard anything from Greg Popovich? Uh, no. He lives in San Antonio. He lives in a really big fucking house in San Antonio. I know it's big. You know why? I've seen it on Google Earth. 
It's big. It's enormous. It's it's like 7,000 square feet. It's it's huge. It's like a castle. You know, something you expect from somebody who has a lot of money. You have a lot of money, that's fine. You can spend it on whatever you want. You want to build a castle? Go build a castle. And who knows? Maybe he gives a lot of his money away to good causes. I don't know. But he sure hasn't said anything about 46 dead migrants, refugees in his town in San Antonio covered with meat seasoning. And anytime something really intense happens, all these guys who are, and women, who are out there banging the drum for the cause, they are silent. They don't say anything unless the cause is like directly in their wheelhouse. Like Uvalde. Oh my God. Now we got to talk about Uvalde, but they're not going to talk about this. You know, there's a, a story um, about a young man who got the life beaten out of him in front of LeBron James's school in Akron. Four guys were charged for the murder of this guy. LeBron James hasn't said a thing. Hasn't said a thing. It was a black on white crime. LeBron James is the first to cry you know, racism and any chance he's been given nothing. It's in front of his own fucking school. So these people that they're always on script, it's only the events that matter for them. That's it. Even Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr played for Greg. He coached for Greg Popovich. He was an assistant with Greg Popovich in San Antonio. Steve Kerr commented on the Uvalde event even though his team is in San Francisco. I haven't heard anything from Steve Kerr. Where's he with it? Nobody's talking about it. Nobody, nobody's got any kind of investment in having, having people flood the borders is talking about that event. It's horrific. Could you imagine 46 bodies dead covered in meat seasoning and they're pulling some out of there alive? Man. And it has been hot here. We've had re- record heat in the month of June. I think we had 13 straight days of over 100 degrees. Those are like August temperatures in June. So silent, quiet, doesn't fit the cause. Right, Jasper? Jasper, are you a truther? He's a toother. Because he doesn't have any. He's in search of tooth. You're a toother. So should we give the audience an up close and personal of your <laughs> of your gum disease? I don't think so. I've been giving him a bit of a hard time lately. You know, he's kind of like um, one of those grumpy old men. You know, Walter Matthau, Jack Lemon. Remember that movie? My first wife was into it. She loved it. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll watch it. It was okay, you know. The Aunt Margaret thing, I damn, you know, Aunt Margaret was still a hottie. She's in that movie. And who was it? Jack, Jack, uh, not Jack, Walter Matthau. One of those guys was like, it was, Aunt Margaret was into them. Like, 
I guess it happens. Rosie was into you. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure you deserved her. I'm not sure you deserved her. No, you did. You did. You were you were both great with each other. Okay. Um, so what are we going to do? I think we're getting to this point now. And oh, we have the EPA decision coming today. It's supposed to come today. And if West Virginia wins this decision, and I'm thinking they will, based on what's, but you, you know, every now and then the court will do something fucking weird. Like, well, you know, we gave them a few bones. Let's take one back. Right. Sometimes they can do that. It's part of the, I think it's part of the sort of the Freemasonic checkerboard game, but if they do rule in favor of West Virginia, it's huge. It's a really, really big piece. And as I outlined yesterday, the EPA wants to use the Clean Air Act to enforce higher emissions controls and then install like these carbon collectors. Have you seen these carbon collectors? Let me show you a picture of one. One of these days next week, I'm going to do um, a story on these carbon collectors. I got to figure out like who's building them and what they're really about. I mean, th these things are, some of them are massive. Let me show you uh, some of the technology on this, on this side of things. Here, right here. Check this out. You know, I think these things look evil. I think they look evil. What is going on here? You know what this strikes me as? It strikes me as terror for me. Look at these things. So this technology, right, this is a factory, the world's biggest factory to suck carbon from the sky and store for millions of years turns on in Iceland. Why the fuck are they storing carbon for millions of years? And who builds these things? Who's behind them? The world's largest factory built solely for the purpose of drawing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and storing has just come online in Iceland. When is this? So they've had more of these. I saw one that's super advanced, more advanced than this. Um, as a direct, as direct a climate solution as there could be, the Orca factory, just one of a number of climate change solutions offered by the Icelandic firm. Carbon fix takes CO2 from the air before separating carbon from the oxygen, mixing it with water and sending it deep underground into basalt rock formations where it mineralizes. Very strange. The Canadian company Carbon Engineering has received $25 million in funding 
from the government is building technology that directly captures CO2 from the air and stores it as compressed gas or creates a near carbon neutral fuel. They're currently building what they call the world's largest direct air capture plant in the southwestern U.S. Let's see what we got here. Let's check them out. We believe humanity can solve the climate change. So look at these things. These things are going to be everywhere. What the hell is really going on here? What is really going on here? Oh, it's purple, the purple revolution. So these guys are in BC and um, they are pioneering this whole carbon capture industry. It's an industry. So when you have somebody like the, uh, the government, and the EPA, and they put really strong emissions controls, which, by the way, will also be related to money, right? Because you get the whole carbon credit thing. You got to pay for that because you have to offset, you know, your carbon use by purchasing carbon credits. So who's going to get that money? So will they use this to insert carbon credits for a com these companies in West Virginia? I think that's what they're pushing against. They're pushing back against number one, being shut down. And in the interim, having to abide by these extreme regulations and these carbon credits. You go back to the Clean Air Act, you know, that led to clean coal. Yes. Do we want air that's breathable? Of course we do. Nothing wrong with that. Right. But now it's kind of like, okay, we're going to take advantage of that. We're going to push it even further so that we can move the agenda. Isn't that right, Jasper? Yeah. So this is what's going on, right? So if the EPA is successful and they do all this shit, they'll take this money and then they'll throw it to their buddies who will buy it, who will build these carbon capture plants. And what are they really doing? What are they really doing? How are they changing the atmosphere? How, you know, how are they, um, assisting and terraforming this planet and what's going on when they send it underground. Like this is all very weird to me. It's weird. And unless there's something I don't know about that is really drastic and it's like, Hey man, go build those things. Um, I think it's insidious because now I'm not, I'm just naturally suspicious. What are they really doing with this? Is it just a really expensive sock and waste? Is that what it really is? Or is it about the terraforming of the planet? I think it's probably the latter. Okay. I think we're good for today. Oh, should I play uh, public image? Why don't I play public image? Let's get out of here on that. And um, the song is Rise. And it's kind of a cool song. It's, 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 kind, it's a uh, pay-in to the working class. And I think I have just enough time for it. Here we go. Use your head in order to see what's real. Your heart says as possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Here's Public Image Limited. I'll see you guys tomorrow with Mark Malone.
Bye for now.